McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi Poppy fans and welcome to PO4 Cast episode 84. Well it's two victories for the Blues since we last spoke and Pompey, is this the turn of the tide? Joining me on the podcast today, returning first person is Andy Mitchmore. How are you Andy? Evening Hugh, not too bad, thank you buddy. Uh, yeah, three points under the belt, step in the right direction. Yeah, I think that sums up my feelings as well mate. Um, joining me on the podcast as well, the co-host is Hampshire Live's John T. Coleman. How are you, mate? Yeah, very well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good to have you on the podcast. Uh, that's someone actually with the press pass, Andy. I don't know where we, we can get one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we just need to have contacts in the right places, mate. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's never going to happen, mate. You're not going to let us near him. But um, all right, let's go through. So uh, the first thing we're going to go through today, again, is reviewing the Burton game. Following on from that, we're going to briefly review the game against Southend. And then we've done some exciting stuff for you, getting out there on the podcast. And uh, me and one of the co-hosts, Matt Corrick, have gone out for Lone Watch to uh, go and have a look at Alfie Stanley. Um, and what we did is we caught up with Alfie after the game. We had a chat with him about his progress down there, how he's finding it, what his instructions from the coaches. Um, and then from that, we also went and spoke to Robbie Blake, who's the coach down at Bogner, on how he's developing Alfie Stanley. And what he sees in him and some pretty interesting comparisons to players like Connor Chaplin, which we'll come on to later. Then to finish it off, we're going to talk about how you guys are feeling. Has the performances turned around? Is this the start of a resurgence for new Pompey? Or is this just Kenny Jacket getting lucky again? Following that, we're going to preview the MK Dons game. And we've got Liam from the MK1 podcast to tell you guys everything about MK Dons. Right, let's start it off, Andy. Marcus Harness. You beauty. Uh, three goals in the game against Burton Albion, star of the show. Uh, more of that, please, yeah, against MK Dons. Yeah, it was nice to see us have such a potent attacking threat. So that front four of Jacobs, Harness, Williams and Harrison just looked dangerous for, well, as much of the game, the four of them were all on the pitch together, to be honest with you. And Harness on a couple of occasions was, you know, right place, right time. So with the first goal, for instance, but... Yeah, the, the quality of the finishes is what we're looking for and what we've kind of been missing in that number 10 role, I think, and people getting into the positions um, to, to do those finishes. So, yeah, it was nice to see it all come together. Um, the same this weekend will be good. Um, we'll see what lineup gets uh, gets announced. It'll be interesting to see if Curtis comes back into the starting 11, but I guess that's something to chat about later on. But, yeah, it was nice to see us look so dangerous pretty much every time we went forward and... Time will tell whether that was the front four really clicking or whether that was Burton being open at the back. So, fingers crossed it would be the, the first of those two options. That's an interesting point, actually, Johnsy, because 
Burton have conceded, I think, four goals in the last of each three of their games, haven't they? So is this actually a revival in fortune for Pompey or is this just simply playing against a team who can't defend? I think, yeah, I think, it, I think it'd be a little bit harsh to say that, um, you know, it was purely down to Burton's defending. I thought, um, you know, Pompey looked excellent in attack from the minute, from the first minute and until the last, really. They could have got a lot more than four goals. That second half was so one-sided. Um, you know, it's similarly to last night's win as well, which I'll, we'll talk about in a bit. But, you know, they're creating lots of chances. And, you know, have they been a bit more clinical, the scoreline would be, you know, a lot more one-sided and, you know, a lot more appreciated by fans. But I think that, you know, it was... They looked a completely different team going forward to the one that had struggled to score in the last few games before that. And, you know, the, the change of a slightly different look to the front four and... Yeah, it, it's worked wonders. So it, it was a it was a bold gamble by Kenny Jacket, but it, it's clearly one that worked. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think you can say it was purely down to the defensive state of Burton because you'd say to be honest that Rochdale aren't fantastic defensively, and we struggled to you know well we we didn't score against them in ninety. So I think you've got to give credit where it's due to the front four for linking it together there. Yeah, definitely. All right, fair enough. Moving on, um, at the back there we played Raggett. Um, who's been someone that I think in particular um, we need an upgrade on. Obviously, brought in Lick Eliasson. I was a bit um, bemused that he wasn't brought into the team quickly. How did you think Raggett compared? Because what we're going to do is we'll talk about the South End game and Nick Eliasson, but how did Raggett look to you, John, when you were watching him at the game? And had he improved at all since last week when we were desperate for him to get out of the team? Yeah, it, I mean, it was all right. I don't think... I think the issue with Raggett is... I think because he's playing next to Watmore, someone who dominates at the back, and you know when he's at it, he's properly at it, and you notice him. Raggett is it's he's sometimes overlooked, and I think that's purely because of he is playing next to Watmore, isn't that sort of something back? Raggett, I don't think as you know, if you had to come up with a list of reasons why Raggett should be dropped, I think it wouldn't actually be that long. I think you know some fans want to see something a bit different and something a bit more noticeable, and, and that's more than fair enough. But on the flip side, I don't think he's done an awful lot wrong so far this season. I think in the opening games, whilst there have been struggles up front, but one thing that had been consistent was was the back line. Um, you know, Raggett and Watmore, they proved it. They got that clean sheet against Rochdale, clean sheet against Shrewsbury. And um, if you look at the two Wigan goals, one of them's an, a, an outrageous free kick, really. And, you know, Watmore gets half a clearance to the other one, but it, it's not properly cleared. Um and then at Burton, you know, the, the the second goal where it's a nail or own goal, that's come because Watmore hasn't made the tackle. Um, and the first one's one of those that just pops out at a set piece. So I don't think there's a particular, a lot that, um, you know, you can drop Raggett for. And I think that's probably the argument at the minute that whilst he is a little less noticeable than Watmore, I don't think that, I think it would be a little bit harsh to, to drop him. I don't think there's any necessary reason I completely sympathise with fans and I can see why they might want to change, especially if they did see Nicolaisen last night because I thought he looked excellent. But at the same time, I think it's one of those where, you know, it may take an injury or, or a really bad game to switch things up. But for the minute, I don't think there is a particular issue with, with Raggett at the minute. No, oh, you think it's going to be take an injury to get Raggett out of the team? That's pretty. Well, well maybe not. It may, might. It might be like a game where you know they're letting a couple, or maybe he does make a couple of mistakes. But I, it's a tough one, really. I think it's either a bad performance or or a reshuffle. Uh, Jacket spoke to. Um, we asked Jacket about three four three last night, and it is something he is considering for the league. That was partly why they did it. And you know, 
whether he doesn't take Raggett out of the team and he plays Watmore, Raggett and Nicolaisen all together, that could be another option. Um, very much horses for causes, but it's clearly something he's considering. I suppose the other option, and we'll come on to it in the uh, South End game, is to talk about Hadji Mangoa. But just back onto the Burton game there, uh, Andy. Jacobs, he looks a little bit sharper, doesn't he? Like he's sort of gathering a bit of match fitness and we know he's got the ability there. And when he played out left, it seemed to click for him, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, it's one of those players that I thought the same when Lowe first arrived, thought the same when Curtis first arrived. When they get on the ball, there's that little bit of that X factor and you feel like something is going to happen when they start running at a defence. And there's, you can just tell there's no fear at running at a player or even if they get doubled up on running at both of those players. Um, for that reason, I think there's definitely an argument for trying to fit him and Curtis both into the team. Obviously, they both would rather play on the left. Um, I thought Curtis did a, a good job when he came on for Williams and obviously was involved in in our final goal, passing the ball inside to Harness. Um, but yeah, it's nice to see, again, players that have got that that X factor and are able to create something out of nothing because that's what you need in League One because there are a lot of games where you have that attritional two teams almost cancelling each other out in that the away team has turned up looking for a point. The home team is trying to break them down. and You get quite a few games like that every year and what you need on the pitch are as many players as possible that are able to have that game-changing moment through a bit of individual arc and he does seem like one of those players who's got that in him. Yeah, absolutely. And John T, I was just going to say that talking about players that came on the pitch and had that X factor and allow Pompey to play, you know, I started talking about all our attacking midfielders, you know, the guys in the centre and shifting it around. But the man who enabled that, it's got to be Ellis Harrison up front, hasn't it, in the league? There? Yeah, he's yeah. the man who brought all those players into play. How important do you think it is playing Harrison over Marcus up front from the level of just having that physical ability to hold on to the ball? And how important do you think it is no, do you know what just say that? How important do you think it is? Yeah, um again it was a big call from from Jacket. Um, you know, Marcus has bit he started every game before Burton and you know, I feel like he kind of had to put Harrison in after he came on and looked so good against Wigan, you know. That is one of the many few, if any, positives you could have taken out of that Wigan game was that Harrison came on, looked really sharp and looked like he could make a difference. I personally before kickoff thought they were gonna to go to up front and before the teams were announced, I thought we could have seen Marquis and ha- um, Harrison play up front together because they do link up really well. Um, you know, Harrison was great. He, he just run. He just you know runs a lot. He, he's you know he makes really good good runs with the ball as well, not just off it. Um, really good in the air. He's strong. But not only is he strong, he, he's good at holding the ball. I think Marquis is strong, wins a lot, and knockdowns and stuff. But at times he will you know he won't you know hold on to it for long for long enough to create an attack. Whereas Harrison, you can play it into feet with him a bit more and, and, and expect a little bit more from him. Um, and it's just, you know, awareness for Harrison. He's a player that you could play him all season, I think. And he may only get you 10 league goals. You can start in my front of the game, may only get you 10 league goals. But you'll still you'll still rate him a lot because he would have got a lot of assists. He would have battled centre-backs for, for durations of games in that. And, and he would have done a lot, um, you know, not just scoring goals. I think a lot of strikers are judged purely on that. Whereas there's a certain type of striker that they've got an all-round game to them. Whilst they do leave the line and they do get a few goals, there's a lot more to their game. And I think Harrison really fits that bill. Um, you know, his, his link play against Burton was excellent. And, you know, I think especially confidence was needed in that team. 
and starting him was 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 really important. Just on Andy's point on Curtis, is it on no sorry Jacobs, not Curtis. Interesting saying about him playing on the left when I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. It's it's obviously a position he's experienced, but actually he prefers playing central, is what he told me. Um, you know, he, he's played in both positions and he's very very good at them as as he's proved. But you know, I think in his ideal world he would be playing centrally. Um based off what he said in his interview to me anyway. All right, sweet. That's that's actually really interesting to know because he wants to play centrally as well. Harness wants to play centrally. Maybe Curtis is sitting back at home thinking, right, I can just try and convince them to both play centrally and I'll be fine on the left. But all right, let's move on. Uh, going into the South End game, and Andy, you, you, you grab this one, mate. Take it away, host it over. Because whilst I was sat on a freezing night down in Bognor, having a great time eating some chips on my day off, um, in fact, on my week off, sunning myself on the south coast uh, you were sat at home with the easier assignment of watching Pompey on iFollow so over to you pal that that easy assignment went particularly well when yeah I bought it on iFollow to do a bit of a uh, wrecking for the podcast and then yeah fell asleep for the first hour of the game so I had one job uh Hugh one job yeah uh you're literally a facepalm on your microphone um from the half an hour or so I did watch uh Nikolaisen looked confident on the ball like um as Johnny has already said that was like the one big takeaway from the game uh, he looked confident on the ball he almost scored with a header at one point as well so he's you know competent going forward as well from set pieces I think in terms of the players that came in I mean Bass didn't have a huge amount to do he made one save that was straight at him um, and I did briefly wake up at one point where he came out and collided uh, with a, with the, one of the South End players going for the ball um, and obviously just didn't back out of the challenge, which is good to see. Uh, Jonty was actually at the game, I believe, so we'll have uh, more in-depth information about the, the little 55 minutes or so minutes or so that I wasn't conscious for. Um, but I should say I did fall asleep before kickoff, so it was not jacket ball that sent me to sleep. It was uh, the eight hours of work beforehand. So I'm, I'll tag in Jonty. Love that. One task. No, I need that. Go on, John, you mate. Give us the lowdown. Right. So, yeah, no, it was, we expected changes. Um, I predicted nine. It was 10, so not far off. The one that I didn't see coming was Hadji Minoga um, and, and the formation change. I was briefly mentioning it to you guys before before we started taping that, um, you know, in, in the press box, we're all trying to work out what formation they were going to play. You know, was it going to be a back three slash back five? Was James Bolton going to come in and play holding midfield? And um, it was the back three, uh, three four three, as Jacket called it in the end, with Minoga and Cam Pring as the two wing backs, and they both, especially offensively, they both flourished in that role. Pring was really good going forward, but I, I'm, I've still got my doubts with him defensively. Um, whereas Minoga, I thought was excellent, came back one tackles, and you know, he didn't, it didn't seem like his fifth appearance at senior level. It, it seemed like he played, you know, fifty hundred games. As, his runs were excellent. Um, as soon as he won the penalty in the first half that led to Mark was his owner, Jacket was shouting at him to stay forward. And, you know, and he caused all kinds of problems. There was one moment in the second half where he made like this 40, 50 yard tracking run back and, and put in this superb sliding challenge. And it's like, where's he come from? It's just, um, as Neil Allen from the news described, he's a, he was a battering ram at times. And, you know, that is probably the best way of describing how he played at times. But it was not only that, he just, you know, he had some. His crosses that were were wavering a bit. There were some that were really good and really pleasing, but you know that will come with more match experience. And if if he is when he does play, if he is going to play in this sort of advanced role, then he'll get that chance to you know work on his end product. But he had a couple of shots as well, almost scored 
and it was a very attacking wing back performance. You know, you, you see teams like in the Premier League, like Wolves and Sheffield United, and how they play with their wing backs. And you know, watching Minoga and Pring to an extent as well was, was quite reminiscent of that. Um, Nicolaisen obviously came in for his debut. He was excellent. And um, I think um, the issue is, you know, how does the defender stand out in a game where there's not a lot of defending to do? But, you know, in terms of what he did have to do, won everything in the air, looked, you know, and just looked very commanding at the back. I thought James Bolton was pretty good as a makeshift centre-back as well. I feel a bit sorry for Paul Downing, didn't... <laughs> You know, in in because just because he didn't have hey, much Jonesy, to do. Come on, mate. We don't need to feel yeah. sorry for Downing. That's so last year. We've moved on from that. <laughs> I mean that in the sense that you know he got his chance, and again, you know he could have put his feet up on a deck chair for for, for most of that game. And um, you know, solid, but at the same time, didn't have to do a lot. And and yeah, the front three were really good. Ronan Curtis, you know, it was very much. I gave him my star man in, in my player ratings, but at the same time, I didn't think he had to get out of second gear. Um, Williams provided a lot of energy, but his end product lacked at times. He felt that if it, you know, he kind of needs that goal. That's that's the issue. He makes all these runs. There's a couple moments of skill last night. You think, where's he pulled back from? That was amazing. And then it comes to the cross or the shot, and you know, it kind of undoes all of that, as as you would have seen in that chance that he had against Burton. It was as a couple more like that. Marquis, uh, good pressure from him. Got his penalty, which I think he needed. But the issue with him and Curtis at the minute is that whilst they have got a couple of goals this season, they've all been against League Two sides. And I think the issue is now turning that into, into proper league form where essentially Pompey need it more. Nice, mate. That is pretty good. Andy, take that, mate. That is how you summarise a match report. Amazing how much more detail you get when you're awake for the full 90 minutes. It's stunning, <laughs> isn't it? Um, Jim. Yeah, no comment. Um, I think, yeah, Ryan Williams is like one goal away, I think, from hitting a bit of form because, as Johnny just said, he's had he's come close with a couple of chances in the Burton game and, yeah, he had a chance. He was just wide of the post in the, in the South End game. But I think there's only so much you can take from it because South End aren't, the best team anyway at the moment and they made what like five six changes and they were dreadful like they're I don't awful, aren't they? slag off another club yeah, on the podcast were. but they they were dreadful they lost five nil to Harrogate didn't they earlier on in the season yeah believable so, yeah. 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 yeah so there yeah, you go yeah either way it was, it was bad and one thing I will say you know I've, I've given a lot of players praise there uh, Ben Close and Andy Cannon I thought that was the chance for them to sort of prove themselves and I don't think either of them did. Um, you know, there's a lot of calls for bringing close for uh, Bryn Morris in the league, but, you know, it, I mean, close didn't do anything bad, but, you know, he had, he kind of had that opportunity and I don't think he really took it. With Cannon, he was the more creative, you know, close just kept things, you know, ticking along and Cannon was given a bit more freedom and for every good sprayed pass or created attack, he'll, you know, there was a very bad pass or a, just a poor decision that was made. And again, it kind of, for all the good it was that he was trying to do, it, he kind of, you know, balanced that out negatively with the mistakes he made. Hmm. That's interesting as well, especially with, um, you'd like to say Cannon given an opportunity in that role to play the box-to-box role, which is the sort of, for me, the preferred role for both of those two players if they're playing alongside ben, um Tom Naylor. So what would you say then, if you were playing Tom Naylor in the centre, John, to off that performance, do you carry on with Bryn Morris or do you bring yeah. Ben Close or Andy Cannon in? I, I agreed with fans when they said that I think we do need to change from Bryn Morris before before last night. I thought, again, similar 
similarly to what I was saying with Raggett earlier, Morris hasn't had many mistakes as such, but he's just been less noticeable. There's, I think with Tom Nagel, you know what you're getting. You know, um, he, he breaks up play excellently. I thought at Burton, he won so many tackles. His positioning was really good. And, you know, he, he made loads of good interceptions in the middle. Whereas as Morris, I just think he's been a bit of a passenger in the last few games. You know, it, that's just in my personal opinion. And I thought maybe, maybe it is time for a change to freshen things up. But I think last night against a very a weakened, weak team as such in Southend, that, you know, not only were they bad form, really struggling on and off the pitch, but they also made changes so effectively they made themselves worse by doing so. But, you know, it couldn't have been more on a plate for a midfield to go and grab that game and neither of them did. So, so yeah, I think for now I would stick with Morris if I'm, if I'm honest. And that's purely based off the fact that, you know, close last night didn't do enough for me anyway to prove that he should be starting ahead of Morris. Just to give you guys a bit of background on um, on the Lone Watch. Me and Matt, who's the host of the podcast with me, we went down to Bognor Regis. Um, Got to say, the club up there are fantastic, really helpful with us, really good at getting us in front of the players and the coaches there. Uh, thank you to Simon out there, who's the general manager of Bognor Regis, for making it happen again. And, and basically, uh, we had a chat with Alfie Stanley and Robbie Blake, who's the coach down there uh, at Bognor Regis. Um, it was after the game. It was in the brand new stand they've got there at Nywood Lane. Um, and, you know, they spent a few minutes of their time with us. So I, w- I won't babble on too much more, but here's the interview first with Alfie Stanley, uh, Pompey Academy striker on loan at Bognor Regis. All right, so I'm here with Alfie Stanley after Bognor's win today at the game. And Alfie, how are you finding it settling in is a nice, easy question to start you off, pal. Um, we've had a bit of a difficult start to the season, to be honest with you, and had the best results what we wanted and uh, at times we haven't played our football that we wanted but personally I've sort of settled in well as a good group of lads and today I thought I'd play more, better, one of the better games I've played playing beyond the striker rather than out wide suits me more I think Yeah and we saw you a bit out wide we've seen you three, this is the third game we've seen you we saw you at Horsham and at South Park so maybe we're kind of lucky uh, lucky for you guys we've seen you win each time but um, do you feel a bit more involved in the game playing down the middle rather than playing out wide because I saw when you're playing out wide you sort of try to drift in a little bit more and, and trying to get the ball yeah naturally I'm like a striker or I can play 10 so it's probably more of a preference to me so I find it more natural rather than playing out wide and coming inside or, or having going down the line on my left foot so I've been playing on the left um, yeah I enjoy playing in the 10 I think I can get on the ball a bit more and sort of make things happen which is sort of was better for me tonight and um, do the academy staff, uh, do Mark Kelly and the guys there, do they have any instructions for you and what to work on or what, you know, what they want you to do while you're down here? Uh, just to make the most of it, to be honest. Just get a good experience playing men's football and sort of try and develop me as a player because I've played two years, obviously, in the academy and it's, not, it's obviously not all about winning when you play in the academy. It's sort of about development. And when you come into men's football, found found out quickly it's all about winning. And sort of that side of the game is going to make me a better player, I think. Robbie's a great coach as well. Have you picked up anything in particular from Robbie whilst being here in the short time you've been? Yeah, he's helped me a lot. He sort of spoke to me after every game I've played and he's given me some good advice. And sort of, He was a similar sort of player to me when he played, similar sort of build. And I can take a lot from him and I've got a lot to learn from him. So he had obviously a great career and obviously there's a lot for me to learn. And when we train with him, I always take advice from him. When we're playing games, I listen to everything he says. Alfie, it was a great game, mate. Thank you very much and uh, enjoy your rest of your time here. Thanks again, Alfie, for speaking to us. I know it was a little bit chilly outside, to be honest, after the game. Um, and he played 90 minutes, played really well in, in the centre attacking midfield role, as Alfie was saying in that game. And to be honest, speaking to him, I uh, would say that 
he's a kid. He's got his he's got his head screwed on. Uh, he looks determined, um, and I'm pretty excited about him being a player who can you know push on over the years and and make a difference into the Pompey squad. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. Uh, keeping an eye out on, on his progression, we'll go down and see him later in the season. Um, yeah, all right. So let's just bring in the last interview, and this one is with Robbie Blake, coach at Bognor Regis, speaking about Alfie Stanley, who he compares him to, um, and also other players that have been at the club, such as Bradley Lethbridge's progress there, uh, and Dan Smith as well. I hear with Robbie Blake, coach here at Bognor Regis, and Alfie had a good game today playing in the middle. Are you going to look to play him more in that cam role in number 10? Because I think he looked a little bit like he fitted a bit better there than out wide. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think, um, you know... It's so evident that Alfie's a lot better centrally, and um, you know what he needs to, which is great education from, is is playing in them little pockets where you can help people, and you know the time is so important, and you know the awareness that you have to have for them positions, and you know listen, he's an instinctive finisher, and, and in and around the box, you know he's he's almost like Connor Chapman-esque, you know, and and having worked with Connor, he's such a great finisher, and you know Alfie's along them lines, so it why that's great for him because it's instinctive the education of him playing in them pockets and trying to build attacks and trying to set and trying to assist um, it can only bode well for him and his experiences and, and you know for a, for a young kid who's coming to learn the trade this you know genuinely I believe that I'm not saying it because he's happening but this is real men's football uh, listen it's not the best standard in the world and I don't mean that disrespectful to any player or any team in this league but what it is is it's real men will give you a real problem and I, I think sometimes at academy level, level sorry they don't get that they don't get that aggression and, and the feistness and, and Alfie's understands that you know at this level even now the, the results matter you know an academy football can sometimes can be no next time I try this and try you know you have to win here and you have that winner win mentality and you know for me that's that's better than anything you, you can do it's the experience and the know-how and the knowledge of, of, of doing it, it's, you know, it's, it's massive. He seems a bit frustrated when, when he's not getting the ball as much. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, that, and that's, that's a good thing because, you know, he, he, that means he's confident, he's on it. And, um, yeah, no, I think, like I say, they, they, they all things of, you know, don't forget this is Alfie's fourth game. Yeah. You know, second full game, possibly. So he's still learning the players and he's still learning the system and how we play. And you can see the way we're passing. Is that the other way around as well, Robbie, for, for, for the other lads that, that he's joined with the team? Are they, is that an adaption for them to learn his game and learn how he runs the channels but, as well? Of course it is. I mean, you know, you, you, as, if you're, as a player, you, you build a partnership with a centre-half, you know, a right, right back with a right winger or two centre midfielders or whatever or forwards you need to know the strengths and weaknesses of your team and, and your players and you know Alfie's such a great kid I don't expect anything else not to work hard out of possession because they they're the things the working hard out of possession that's when you get the rewards because you know you, you, you earn it and um, you know he's such a great kid he's come from a great family and um, you know we're really pleased to have him and you know some people might have a few eyebrows raised, but I think he's a top top quality player and uh, he's going to be a great addition for us. And all he needs to do is keep learning, keep listening, uh, which I think he will. And, you know, you'll see the development over the course of a season, however long he's here for, however long he's here. Um, you'll see a development of a player that'll be far better. So when he does go back to Portsmouth, he'll be fitter, stronger for the experience of playing against physicality. And... Um, it, like I say, I'll go back to it. It's it's so important that these players go out and play men's football as quick as they can. I don't mean to say they get burnt out, but what they do is if they stick in academy football too long, 
it just becomes stagnant and you need to go out and take like I say the winning mentality the, the, the edge that these games have got you know you can see the game at the end there when we're hanging on a little bit you know it matters you know you, people are shouting getting anxious and getting aggressive and that all stands people certainly young young lads in good stead and um like I say, um, we're really pleased to have him. And you can see, though, can't you, that Alfie doesn't find he's finding that pretty, pretty natural. He's out there, and yeah. he really cares. He waves his arms around a little bit yeah. uh, when he needs it. But have Mark Kelly and the Pompey Academy stuff? Have they said there's anything you want him? Do you want to work with him on in particular? Is there any attributes, no, or bet. just get him out there and just get him into it? No, I listen. We we speak to Mark a lot of time, a, a lot of the time, and um, you know he's happy. He's here. And, um, you know, we've got to work on that because the, the instinctive stuff just happens naturally. Yeah. It, and that's a tough, tough skill to have, and he's got it, which is great for him. But, he, you know, he needs to work on his hold-up play, his link-up play, his timing of his runs, his areas he goes into, where can he affect the team, where can he not affect the team. And they're all learning curves for him. And, and he'll learn sometimes by doing the hard way, and he learns learn doing some things in a good way. The prime example, when he goes through, you know, I think at Pompey, he goes through and hits the shot. Yeah. But because of unselfishness, he thinks he's about playing. He tries and plays. Um, I think it was Jordi Mongoyen. So, you know, they're the things, just decision makings that he'll get better getting put in them positions. And he's a natural finisher. And I think with you, Robbie, guiding him, he's going to learn to be a complete player here. So, mate, thanks a lot for speaking to us. We appreciate no, absolutely. it. Absolutely, Pre- appreciate the nice words. Yeah, Matt, quick on. <laughs> so, just like with, with regards, you've had um, Brad online, you've had yeah. Dan online. We've come down and spoke to you during mm-hmm. those periods of having those guys. They they've a couple of times gone back to Pompey, played yeah. some checker trade trophy games. Yeah, yeah. Is there any sort of like idea with Alfie if that's going to happen at all this season? But listen, one thing Portsmouth have got, they've, they've got some talented players in that area. And I think what obviously Kenny wanted us to do was more than more, was, was him go out and sample that men's football. And I think wherever level it is, if Kenny sees that he's adapting to it and he's doing all right with it, that'll only benefit both clubs uh, and, and, and both uh, for him as well so I think that's the plan um, and we're happy to assist in that you know because I think it's good that we can have that you know a, a local club a very good local club that have been great was throughout the years obviously since before I was here and we need to keep that connection because like I say it works both ways for each other and um, yeah you know we're, we're pleased obviously Dan's gone on and, and done better things now and Brad's had a you know sometimes you know players it affects him differently and Brad's you know had a couple of problems a couple of issues but he's hopefully down you know down the hill on that now and um, you know I, I'm pretty sure you'll see a, a, another flying left bridge in a couple of weeks yeah, nice one and mate go and celebrate with the players it's a good win cheers today, boys yeah? thanks, thanks, thanks a lot thanks again thanks again Robbie Blake for doing that interview with us in the freezing cold mate um, genuinely one of the uh, most well, it's nicest coaches I've met out there um, the players love him um, and yeah, just one of those inspirational coaches to talk to. So he gave you guys a lot of detail there, um, considering how he sees him as the same sort of instinctual finisher as Connor Chaplin. Now, Robbie was at Pompey as a coach, uh, coaching Connor Chaplin at the time. So that's a built, you know, he said it's a big compliment and it is, and he means that as well by it. So he's just got him playing different roles now. So centre attacking midfield, left attacking midfield, just there to sort of like, get his game, round his game up, rather than just relying on that instinctual finishing, which I suppose he's done up to now. All right, cool, boys. All right, let's move this on now. Um, So we put a question out to you guys, as always, and thanks again for people who messaged in on Insta, on Twitter, etc. Has this performance given you the hope that Jacket and Pompey can turn it round? Now, we've we've touched on some of this already, boys, so we'll just go and talk about a couple of the things that people have messaged in, um, and we'll see what we think about it. Is this a turnaround in form? Because... October is a pretty pinnacle month, if I'm honest, in the team. 
you know, and how we're going to end the season. So let's go to Forgotten Pompey Goals and cheers, mate, for messaging in. He says, great second half performance and sat, but still looked nervous with Raggett. And after seeing Rasmus last night, he needs to come in ASAP. Keep up the good work. John T. Rasmus has got to come in for the next game. 100%, right? Raggett's been dropped. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think the issue with, with Nicholson, I thought he was really good last night, and you know, and I, I put him very much higher on my player ratings last night. But what I will argue is that he played in a back three, which gives you more defensive protection against a side that didn't really do a lot of attacking. We don't know for definite how we will cope in League One. You know, I I back him. I think he will do really well. But kind of a bit like I touched on later, uh, earlier, you know, I don't think there's a particular... Re- I don't think Raggett looks bad enough to, to be dropped, if you get what I mean. Um, I think, you know, I can see why. I think, you know, give it a few weeks maybe. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Nicolaisen's main back spot his own. But I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't happen immediately. Although I can expect it pretty soon, if I'm honest. Johnny, so if you if you think that it's likely to happen in a few weeks anyway, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Why not nip it in the bud now if you think it's likely to be an issue? Why wait? Because we, we've seen individual mistakes from Raggett, but not, not just from Raggett, from other players as well. Harrison in defence as well already this season. I'm not just pinning it all on one player by any stretch. But if you think it's likely that in a few weeks' time there will be that replacement, that replacement is probably going to be because of a mistake that has cost us a goal or a game, is that not waiting till the horse is bolted to shut the gate a little bit? No, it's a, it's a good, it's a very good point you raise. Um, uh, my the only reason I think that is, you know, Jack has been pretty pleased with with Raggett and Watmore. I think that has one been the been one area that has kind of been a bit consistent. You know, results were bad at the start, and they are get gradually getting better. But that has mainly been down to their lack of ability up front. I don't think the defence has been the issue for that. You know, if you look at the Wigan game, they lost because they didn't score. They just didn't score. Rochdale, I don't know how. I'm still trying to work out how they didn't score at Rochdale. Frewsbury, very similar. Um, I think the attack is, is has been the concern and I think that's why it works against Burton. To go on your point in terms of why not bring Nick Eisen out, I think, you know, I think if it was me, I probably, I probably would. But the reason I'm a bit subdued is I think that Jacket's been impressed by Watmore and Raggett's partnership. And there's always a case of with an attack in the midfield, you can cha- change it a bit more. But teams often try and settle a back four as much as possible. So I think that might be why he's a bit reluctant. Just because he's pleased with Watmore's partnership with Raggett, he might not want to you know, try and jeopardise that for the sake of putting in Nicolaisen if it may not work. I, I would chuck in Nicolaisen ahead of Raggett purely because I was that impressed by Nicolaisen last night. But that's not me saying I think Raggett should be dropped, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, Josh Taylor messaged in, and he, cheers, mate. Um, he runs the at Pompey Stats page. In fact, give that a follow, people. It's actually a really interesting read. He says, as Burton were the worst defensive team in the league going into last weekend's fixture, I'm not yet convinced. I'd like to see a similar performance from Pompey this weekend to regain confidence in the team, especially against a bottom of the league's MK Don side. Andy, it will take more than one win, won't it, to win round the fan base? And with some tough games coming up in October, how many wins do you reckon it will take Jacket to get the fans back on side? Potentially, if, even if he can, can he get the fans back on side? I mean, you never say never. I, I would say that. I mean, on us on the pod here, we're not the sort of flipping from one side to the other on a on a daily basis. So we don't get too high after one win. We don't get too low after one defeat. 
And I mean, after the, which game was it? I was last on two weeks ago. You could tell that both of us had been ground down to a fairly low level. I think it was just after the Gary Roberts comments came out and we'd both been ground down. So having been worked down to that point, I think for a lot of people, it is going to take more than one win to turn it around. Having said that, you've got to you've got to have the door the door slightly ajar, right? You don't just shut the door on someone when you're four games into a league season. I don't think the MK Dons game is going to be a carbon copy of the Burton game by any stretch. I think MK Dons play a very different style of football, um, as we talk about uh, later on. But I think, yeah, in terms of October, the games we've got coming up. So we've got MK Dons, Donny, uh, Gillingham away, Sunderland, Northampton, Charlton. So let's say, I'll go positive, three points MK. Let's go really positive, three points Donny. I don't think we'll take any points from Gillingham or Sunderland. I think we'll beat Northampton. And then let's say one at Charlton to even things out. So that's what, nine points out of eight. Is it nine out of 18, I think I just said? Or I think it was 10. 10 out of, oh yeah, because the one on the end, yeah. Ten, so 10 out of 18. And that's, that's me being positive. I'd be surprised if we took more than that. Um, yeah, that's that's the honest prediction, I think. Yeah, okay. And I'm just going to read through the results to our poll. So October in the league for Pompey, um, and we ran a poll, uh, and, the, and the options were uh, zero to six points for you negative bastards out there, 22% of you. Um, seven to 10 points was the highest one. And most people agree with Andy, which I suppose is, you know, surprising. But it's na- it's natural, yes, mate. It's entirely yeah, natural. <laughs> I forgot, you got your finger on the pulse of the fan base. 7 to 10 points, Andy Mitchell, 41%. Uh, 11 to 14 points, 23% of you. So, um, And 15 to 18 points, only 14% of the, the fan base think that. So um, with some really bad mass, that means only 37% of the fan base believe we're going to get more than 10 points. Um, John C., it's going to take a lot to bring that win around this fan base, as Andy was saying already. You know, you can't just patch things over with a, with a great win where at Burton. But do you do you feel a bit more positive covering the team, going and watching the games? Um, you know about how Pompey will do over October. I do, based off the last two results, um, and off the back of that Wigan game, you could. I didn't. It was one of those where. I hadn't even checked social media because by the time you do, you know, your pieces and you set things up and then go speak to Jackie, you, don't, you often don't get a chance to gauge social media reaction. Like, you know, straight away, it might be a couple of hours after the result before you start catching up with stuff. But after that weekend game, you even got the sense with no fans there that, you know, that was bad. That was really bad. Wigan, I think, you know, the stats show they hardly had any shots. Their pass accuracy is like 50, just over 50%. That's awful. Um, and you knew it was bad. Burton felt like an interesting one because it's a weird away day. Burton are, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty solid customers at this level, regardless of how they're doing. You know, they, they, they've been around for a good few years now. Uh, it's away from home as well, so that, added, that adds another thing. And you felt that even if it wasn't a win, you needed to see some level of change because, um, you know, it might not be a formation, it might just be the personnel. And that felt like if you don't get anything there or you don't show any signs of change or positivity, then I would have been very concerned. I think a, a win is a good start in the right direction and they followed that up well last night. Um, so it is easier to be positive when you when you do see results like that and, and performances like that in person. But the home form has got to change. 
that that's that's got to be the key right now. But if they won one game at home this season in all comps, and that was against Colchester at home, again a lower league side. So 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 that's the issue. That the home form is the issue. It, it's weird, you know. Normally when teams are struggling, home forms are all right. It's away where they're really bad. This season so far, Pompey have only lost at Brighton, and while and whilst Brighton made many eleven changes, that team still had a player who had it was won the Golden Boot in the Eredivisie. Like Gael Carres has just gone on to Swansea. Dale Stevens has just gone on to Burnley. There's some established names in that team. So the away form's all right. They've got back-to-back home games now. You know, I'd be looking at that and going six points. That's what you should be eyeing. Doncaster won't make it easy. So, you know, a, a, a win against MK Don's definite and a very minimal a point against Doncaster, even I think three should be the ultimate aim there. Cool. So, how many points are you going for in total, mate? How many points do you reckon? Let's I'm going to put you on the spot here. Yeah, no, no. Um, I was trying to work it out, actually, before we came on. I think I'll, I'll do same as Andy, try and run it through. So, three, three this weekend. I can see him getting three at Doncaster. Gillingham, you know, they, they've started off the season quite well. So, I'll go one there. Sunderland, tough. I can see him nicking one. And I stress Nick on that one. Julian would be a bit more assured. Uh, three at Northampton. And then Charlton are a good side. Lee Bowie knows what he's doing. So I'll go one there. So if my maths is correct, I made that 12. Which makes maths you is better top. than mine, John T. You're maths in the top 37%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw your poll and I think a 9 to 12 bracket would have been where I would have voted for. You know, I think, I think that is realistically, you know, tw- twelve. Name the six. model. I like that. You, okay. I, should have, I should have changed <laughs> up the voting. Yeah, part. yeah I, I only say that because I was purely torn between which of the two to vote for. Because you know, that, but yeah, I think you know, twelve from twelve from these next six or very close to it is is you know a big step in the right direction. Would make up some lost time, but you know, at the, at the same time. They, um, they're already a bit miles behind track based off the teams they've already played. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you, what's your prediction, mate? Oh, thank you. Mate. I was just going to tell you. I wasn't going to wait for anyone to, to ask me. But oh, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to pretend to be really interested in it. So please, you know what? Just do it. that again. What are you going to say, <laughs> Hugh? What's your prediction, buddy? Oh, right. Well, thank you for asking, Andy. I'm going to go with. <laughs> so I'm going to go with uh, three points against MK Dons. Uh, I don't think we're going to get a point against Doncaster. I think we'll get one point against Gillingham, so that's four. I'm going to say uh, we're going to get three points against Sunderland. And I purely say that, not based on any fact at all, but the fact that I know loads of people from Sunderland, then my life's going to be over if we lose to them. Uh, then we're going to play Northampton. I reckon we can get... I reckon that will be... Oh, do you know what? I reckon we'll beat Northampton and then a point against Charlton. So one, three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Which puts you with John T. There we are, just about. Andy's a man of the people with uh, in the category there with uh, seven to ten. So Andy Mitchell will take a bow. But yeah, all right. Let's move on and let's just finish off in a second by um, I'm introducing the Liam from the MK1 podcast. And um, Liam gave us the lowdown on MK Dons. Let's be honest, boys. Our, our knowledge is pretty limited when it comes to MK Dons. So we thought, right, let's reach out. Let's get an expert on here to tell it to you guys. I um, mean, here's Liam now from the MK1 MK Don's podcast. Thanks. So, so we have Liam here from the MK1 podcast to help give us the, the lowdown on the, on the game of the weekend. And Liam, first of all, mate, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. No worries. Thanks for having me. 
Nice one. Uh, we were saying before we kicked off on air, basically, that I said that it looks like you've had a bit of a, a difficult start to the season being bottom of the table. But, you know, you were saying to me some quite encouraging performances. So what in particular is uh, gone well for you guys? And where do you reckon you can possibly um, turn those good performances into victories? Yeah, I think it's been, for particularly the Doncaster and most recently, the performance against Ipswich, we've seen a team that, you know, it's willing to dominate possession and it's just maybe missing that clinical touch up front. Um, our strikers at the moment in um, Morris, Mason uh, and Nombe aren't particularly goal scorers, not a prolific level. And unfortunately, we lost that in Reece So you know, the coaches have been banging on about replacing Reese um, every single press conference, it feels like. So I feel once we you know, have that striker in place and, you know, he has a few games under his belt. We're going to see this team really flourish and that's why I'm not too worried about being bottom of the league. Um, obviously, the crew performance was not great. It was, I think, in Russell Martin's words, the worst performance he's been as manager. But, you know, we're looking at a team that is very confident on the ball and is getting better every game and we're getting personnel back. So, this game against Pompey is going to be a game where we're putting in more blocks to build and hopefully we see more progress from the team. So expectations pretty low at the moment until you bring in a, a replacement for Reese Healy then? Yeah, in terms of, you know, scoring lots of goals and winning games, yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, you mentioned Joe Mason in there and that immediately came to mind when I read through um, my massive amount of research just scrolling through Transfer Market and... Um, Joe Mason uh, played for Pompey for a bit. I don't know if you've seen that back on there. He really struggled with us. I mean, fair to do fair to him, he was pretty unfit. But I remember him missing this awful penalty, I think it was, which really sort of compounded Pompey fans' point of view. He couldn't score. He scored a goal for you already, though, hasn't he? And how's he looked for MK Dons? Yeah, I mean, admittedly, that goal he did score was uh, very fortunate. It was like a massive rebound and then the players thought he was offside and he wasn't. Um, but uh, fair play to him, you know, it was advantageous. It's what your striker should be. Um, but yeah, Mason's played OK when he has featured. Um, a bit like what you've, you mentioned regarding fitness. He hasn't really had a long spell of games in the team, which has clearly affected him and his performance. So obviously with a talk of a striker coming in, it kind of, you're kind of hoping that it gives him that kick at the backside, you know, to get on with it and try and score goals. But so far, we haven't really seen that. I'm not sure if that's fitness or the, perhaps he's not good enough to start week in, week out. But ultimately, I'd like to see more from him, personally. You mentioned there that um, you've had quite a lot of possession in the games that you've had so far this season, which is something that jumped out at me looking at the stats from your games. Yeah. What sort of game can Pompey fans expect if they're forking out a 10 or an iFollow this weekend, uh, assuming we're not going to be dominating possession then? Yeah, I mean, the, the main focal point from what we've seen from Milwaukee's Don's performance this season it has, is having the ball and trying to control the game. Now, have we played ourselves in trouble sometimes? Yes. So perhaps Portsmouth or Pompey could, in a sense, try and capitalise on this through counter-attacks. I know through Curtis and Harness you've got two really powerful forwards who on the day are pretty much one of the best players in the in the division. So I think for from a Pompey perspective, it's all about, you know, letting us play our game and perhaps well hopefully not for my case, but perhaps catalyzing on 
of mistakes that we do we may, may potentially make because we're a team that's still learning this new style of football that Russ Martin wants us to play. And you know, as I said, it will it will generate mistakes from here and there. And you guys have uh, gone out and signed Scott Fraser uh, to play in centre attack and midfield for you, which is somebody I've been talking about on the podcast now for over a year that you know Pompey should try and go out and get that sort of raw centre attacking midfielder who can be a talisman in the middle for you. How's he settled in this season? And is is the new way of playing? Is he really important to this new way of playing you're implementing? Yeah, I think um, from the start of the season, all the coaches have been speaking about how. They don't just want to rely on one player. And this has especially become prevalent once they sold Reese. So bringing us a player like uh, Scott, who can add goals and like chance creation to his game, is going to be like a massive focal point in this team. Uh, and the first few games we've seen him, he hasn't really been match fit. Uh, you know, a lot of the new players that we've had back have only had like a couple of weeks to a month of full training, which isn't enough for a start of season. So... Every time we see Scott on the pitch, we're seeing a lot more out of him each game. And the hope is that we'll see more from him in this game. And, you know, if that if that trajectory keeps going on, then hopefully we see more goals. And, you know, if this striker that comes in isn't exactly what we think, then Fraser's is going to be one of those players who needs to contribute a lot to this team if we want to do well. One of the names that jumps out from your team list as just a general football fan would be Richard Dio, who's obviously played at a higher standard than League One. Um, he left Derby under slightly dodgy circumstances uh, last year. What's he been like around the club? Is he there as a sort of a senior figure or is he there as one of sort of the mainstays of the first team as well? Because he's what, in his early 30s now, mid-30s? Yeah, um, well, Keo had a lot of work to do fitness-wise, like much of the squad. And his yeah, he got his first start against Ipswich recently. And yeah, he seems to bring a lot of stability to the back line. Um, you know, we were talking on the podcast last week of how he could potentially potentially be the quote-unquote captain on the pitch because Lewington, from what we've seen, isn't really the vocal captain like he perhaps has needed to be in the past. So having Keogh an essential part of that three-back defence is going to be such, a, such an important part of what we're going to do. And it's also, it's almost an element of what Russell Martin was on the pitch when he was playing for us. You know, that vocal leader who's, who's an organiser who, as sort of Russ Martin put, isn't, afraid of any situation that he's come going to come across because he's had pretty much the worst of the worst this past year. So I think it was our best addition of the summer. And from what we've seen so far, he's going to be absolutely vital to this team's success. And just turning the tables, Liam, quickly onto Pompey, it's always interesting to hear what you guys think of us. So um, what do you think about Pompey as a team? You know, your expectations at the start of the season for us from an outside point of view. And uh, have you seen how the, how it's been going so far for Pompey? And are you surprised by the results we've got? Um, from what I've seen of Pompey, I know there's been a pretty vocal movement of wanting the management out. And I do understand it. And I understand that a bit like us, I suppose, Pompey are quite a demanding fan base who want their team to see, which is not a bad thing at all. But yeah, I, I would say, I believe you're 11th now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would expect to see Pompey, of course, chanting towards the top of the table with players like, you know, Harness and Curtis and players like that. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it, like, like I said, it's going to take, I think it might take time to generate these results. And, you know, you saw at the weekend against, you're going against Burton, how when it does click, it's really good. Um, so the hope is that, I suppose, for you guys is that 
that carries on. Just hopefully not for Saturday for my sake. Liam, in, ter- in terms of MK Dons, what as a whole, what are your expectations and hopes, not just yourself, but as fans for this season? Well, I think before we sold Reese, um, it was looking up the table up and down. Uh, now, I would say mid-table would be the expectation. Um, you know, we, as I sort of said, we are seeing improvements in the team week in, week out. And if we can turn these draws against like Doncaster and Ipswich into wins, then we're going to be we're going to be looking up for up and down because. At the moment, before we've seen Doncaster and Ipswich are two of the better teams in the league in terms of performance-wise. So, yeah, I mean, if I if you give me the table now, I'd definitely take it, especially as we're sitting where we are in the league. But you know, if we don't get this goal scorer in, then it's hard to have much optimism going forward. So, what would you say is a successful season if we jump forward forty-two games? What let's let's assume you do get a striker in. To replace Reece Healy, what would you say is the cut-off between a successful and an unsuccessful season for you? Uh, unsuccessful relegation. Uh, so anything above that is, I would deem as a success. Personally. And your mates down at um, Plough Lane, I'm actually work in Wimbledon, um, have been uh, given it the big end this season, basically, that they're going to do you over. Um, they've had quite a good start to the season. They brought in Steve Seddon at left-back. Um, he's a very good player, which Pompey has seen. He got a goal in his debut. Are you worried they're going to possibly do better than you this season and maybe overshadow you on the whole, on the whole uh, Don's title? Um, no. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, they've had a good start to the season. You know, you've got a player like Joe Pickett up front. Uh, you know, we've seen for numerous seasons now how, how we can dominate games. And on his day, he's a terrific player. But, you know, they... A broken clock strikes twice every day, correct every day, not that saying. Um, so if it does happen, I don't care too much. You know, I'm I'm happy for them that they got a stadium back, and I know we'll uh, be looking forward to go down there when we get the chance because that'll be a good time. Uh, yeah, is I'm that sure. rivalry, Liam? Is that very much a like a mutual, exactly the same feeling each way, or is that because obviously they've got negative feelings towards MK Dons is that exactly reversed do you guys feel exactly the same way is it or is it more of a one way you just don't really acknowledge them more than you have to sort of thing um I think it's you know because our fan base like I'm part of the younger generation fan base who perhaps didn't really associate women as much as some of our fan base did so for me I don't have such negative connotations towards them and I've tried in the past to not show those negative connotations. But when you hear like certain stories from the club and personal experience that I've had when going to away games at the at their previous stadium, um, you know, it you develop sort of feelings towards them that are negative. Um, but yeah, you know, I try to keep mutual as possible. Um, but, you know, they don't like us and we particularly don't like them. And it's just a classic rivalry really, but it's a unique one at the same time. In terms of um, Saturday, if you don't pick up a win, it's a bit of a worry that, you know, you've got teams to play like Gillingham coming up soon. Uh, Fleetwood and Oxford, they've struggled at the start of the season, but they are good teams. It's a bit of a worry that if you don't get a win on Saturday, you know, the, the, the run continues and you worry when that first one might come. Uh, yeah, potentially. Um, a good friend of mine called uh, this month for us, Ominous October, in terms of the teams we've got to play, 
And yeah, as you mentioned, where they are at the table. But I think from the trend we've seen so far is that we're giving these good teams a game. Um, so if anything, we should be relishing playing these big teams as for one, that's who we want to be. And two, if we are you know, playing well against them, there's every chance we can get a result. I understand they're playing better, but it's almost as this team wants to play up to this competition and then they want to play down against, no offence, teams like Crew, um, who are just coming up from the, the League Two. So, yeah, I understand the point of maybe, you know, not looking forward to this month, but at the same time, they should be relishing the opportunity to upset the big boys in the league and climb up that table. So just to, just to finish it off, mate, because I know you, I'm very aware that you actually have come on to talk to us on our podcast before you record your own podcast. Yeah, that's got, yeah. That's, that's got to be your focus now. You need to get back onto that, mate. So give us a score prediction. What do you reckon for the game? I feel it, it's going to be, it's two teams coming off a good result. Um, you know, you guys got even off against Burn. We got it, our draw against Ipswich. Uh, I'm going to be nice and positive and say 2-1 Dons. Nice one. Well, I hope for your sake. No, I hope for our sake that's not the case. But, <laughs> you know, we're not going to begrudge if you do. So, Liam, cheers, mate. Thanks for coming on the podcast. You're no, now free to go and enjoy your evening, mate. And I know that Pompey fans will uh, appreciate your input. Actually, before you go, do you want to just give a shout out to where Pompey fans can follow you? Um, yeah, give us your lowdown. Yeah, so the uh, podcast account on Twitter is at MK1Podcast. You know, we post weekly episodes regarding everything Milton Keynes Dons, as you'd expect. And if you do, for some reason, want to follow me personally, uh, at mkarmy 23 is my Twitter handle. Thanks, mate. Cheers. No worries. Right, nice one. Thanks again, Liam. Appreciate that, mate. That was a pretty um, interesting roundup as well. I managed to get that AFC Wimbledon question in there as well, since I work around there. Um, that helps me take the piss out of some work colleagues. But no, thanks again, mate. Appreciate it. And uh, I think what's best to say is just our views on the on the game and where we think it's going to go. We've built up to it a lot on the show, boys. But what I want to know is, I'll start with you, John, to hear, mate. Where do you reckon we're going to go this game? In fact, that's a rubbish way of asking, what's the score going to be? I'll say 2-1. I think in terms of team, I think Curtis comes back back in for Williams. Starts on the right, which would be a little bit different, uh, with Jacobs on the left and Harness Central behind Harrison. I think it will be it will be similar to um, you know, what we've seen in the last two games where Pompey will create a lot of chances. They'll take a couple, but and whilst they'll get a whilst I think they'll get a win, it'll be one of those games where fans will feel, okay, great, job done, but it could have been more. Um, they haven't kept a clean sheet in the last two, the last couple of league games. I think they're still a bit vulnerable. I don't think it's anyone's fault in particular. I'm not singling out a player, but I still think you know there's a little bit of a vulnerability in certain scenarios where a team will just go and nick a goal when it came out of the blue. Similar with Burton, I think even when they scored twice, I still feel popular on the better side, and we're always going to turn it round. And I think MK Dons are going to be, you know, they keep they have scored, you know, the odd goal in pretty much every game they've played so far. So I can see them doing that again against Pompey. I think it will still be a 2-1 win. A fairly confident one where Pompey will see a lot of the ball, but maybe ruining missed chances a little bit afterwards. Andy, mate, what's your take on that? And do you agree with the starting lineup there uh, by Jonty? Yeah, I, I agree with the starting front four that Johnny's named there. That's exactly how I'd line them up. Uh, it's going to be interesting, I think, in terms of, yeah, in, in terms of who dominates the play with possession, because Pompey and MK. Dons have both in, in all four of their games so far they've both had more possession than their opponents 
Um, MK even more so. So MK have like 67%, 70% in all four games um, with like really high pass accuracy as well. So you potentially expect that the style of the game to be slightly different to what we've seen against teams like Burton and Wigan. Um, but again, I'd back Pompey to be more efficient with the ball they do have in terms of creating chances because as Johnny's already touched on talking about the other games, some of the games we haven't won, you do wonder how on earth the ball hasn't gone into the net. So I think we're going to be more efficient in terms of creating chances. And yeah, as Liam said about them not really having that goal scorer since losing Reese Healy, I think that that could be the difference between the two because we've got four or five players that you'd back could be potential goal scorers. And I think that's where MK Dons are going to struggle. So um, I'll, I'll go with a 3-1 win. Yeah, I think he's he's maybe underplaying uh, one player though, don't you think? Because if we get rid of Marquez and Harrison, bring in Joe Mason, I think we'd be firing on all cylinders, right? No, I'm going to let John to take that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's yeah. right, mate. You don't have to take that. <laughs> no, I'm just sort of taking the piss. No, I, I think Pompey's going to be... Um, I think we're going to win this game. I do. Uh, I think it's going to be a 3-1 win, actually. I think we can get three goals. Um, I do think, though, that uh, they've, they've got a goal in them. So there is a potential to... If we only get, go to the... If we're only up by one goal rather than two, um, the likes of Scott Fraser can create goals from the middle, uh, dangerous from set pieces as well. So... Yeah, I, I'm hoping for a 3-1. And that, that's me being optimistic. But I think it's possible. Uh, the other possibility is a 2-1. We sit back and then concede a goal or two. So 3-1, boys. Let's go positive. That's all three of us predicting a Pompey win. Who would have thought it? And we're never wrong. We've, we've literally never been wrong with our predictions on the pod. So it's pretty much a dead set for three points. Exactly. Uh, I don't think I've got one right this season, by the way. No, I haven't either. <laughs> Oh, well, hopefully Johnty's our lucky child, mate. We're doing better. But thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, play up on You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast at Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle. <laughs>